You obviously know Kung Fu. This is Paul Drexler Martell, stunt performer, martial artist, and filmmaker, and you are listening to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. Joining me tonight is stuntman, martial artist, filmmaker. He's worked on such projects as Gotham, Daredevil, The Blacklist, Sneaky Pete. He reps the East Coast, Paul Drexler Martel. Paul, thank you so much for joining the Kung Fu Driving Podcast tonight. Oh, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's great to have you. So you've worked on a lot of cool projects, and martial arts is obviously one of the themes of this show. So can you give me an idea of when, where, and how martial arts became a part of your life? Yeah, absolutely. So... I was born in 1984, which I think is important for context, Mm. because in like the late 80s and 90s is when we had that big karate boom of uh, particularly karate schools for kids that just started, you know, popping up everywhere. So when I was a kid, um, I have three brothers and my older brother was doing um, karate at the local school. And it was the sort of thing like, I want to do everything cool that my older brother's doing. So if he's doing karate, I want to do karate. And so I was like four years old uh, and he was going to this local karate school called uh, Middletown Kempo Karate in Middletown, Connecticut, which I think was actually formed in like 77 and they just oh, wow. closed. So they were around. Oh, wow. for, yeah, they were around for 40 years. It's really impressive. And so th- that was the main way that I got into karate was through Kenpo Karate. And, you know, then, of course, I was four years old. So once I got there, I was like, oh, this is really hard. I don't know if I want to do this. But um, <laughs> but but I did stick with it, which was good. The Kenpo Karate that we did for people in the audience who might be like a little familiar with Kenpo, it is, um, I would say that it's like the Ed Parker stuff or, you know, the Jeff Speakman stuff you would see in Perfect Weapon. If right. you're really familiar with Kenpo, it's not actually it, the Ed Parker stuff. It's more like what the Tracy brothers were doing. Uh, it's more similar to that, but, uh, you know, that's a little more familiar. And then we also did Modern Arnis. So, you know, I did several years of that. And then I started dabbling in other martial arts it's funny i like to think of my relationship with martial arts and my older brother's relationship as being exact opposite he wanted to continue to pursue martial arts in all the ways that it was functional and you know what was the most practical and i wanted to do all the you know fancy fun stuff jump kicks and stuff (laughs) so he opened up a martial arts school for 10 years called the modern self-defense center and they would do jujitsu and jikundo and savat and a number of different things uh so i would just sort of always show up and you know train whatever they were training at the time you know again i studied the modern arnis through kempo i did Kenpo for maybe like 20 years. I did a little uh, wushu at um, Master Hujian Chang, and I'm, my pronunciation's terrible. I'm sure I'm going to butcher everybody's name. But um, <laughs> Master Hu had a school in Connecticut called uh, the Shaolin Wushu Center. People might remember him. He was in all of the um, Shaolin Temple movies with Jet Li. He was one of the main co-stars. He's like the brother or uncle character in Kids from Shaolin. He has a really significant oh, yeah. part. Uh, Yeah, he had a wushu school in Connecticut. I was like, awesome, I'm going to go there. So I did that for a little while. Also dabbled in some Taekwondo. I'm currently studying Hapkido, which uh, is really awesome because I've always wanted to do Hapkido, and I'm excited to finally be practicing that. So that's fun. I'm doing that at uh, 
Master Chose Martial Arts and Will Mantic. So, yeah, just kind of getting around. Now, with all of those styles that you're studying, is there one that you go back to more often than, than others when you train? Or, or are you just, you, you wake up and you're like, I think today I'm going to do a little bit of Hapkido. Um, I mean, certainly Hapkido is on the front of my mind at the moment. Um, wushu is always a fun time for me. I uh, just enjoy doing it. I'm always rooted in Kempo, though, just because that's what I did as a kid and I did it for so long. So even if I'm, you know, say working on a small project with some friends and trying to write some fight choreography, I mean, my brain will always gravitate towards Kempo. I'll always on impulse be like, oh, we got to do a, you know, elbow to the stomach and a hair fist to the groin and a back fist to the face. And then sometimes <laughs> we're like, oh, it doesn't really make sense in this scene at all. And I'm like, you're right, let's cut that out. But uh, it's it's just, you know, my default mode. Okay. It's interesting because uh, I'm relatively new to martial arts, almost two years now, but my system is based in Kempo and uh, it's a hybrid system. So I'm also going to be exposed to Arnis and Kali and a little bit of uh, kickboxing and some jujitsu stuff in there. But uh, uh, I, I don't know um, how authentic it is you know, comparing to the Ed Parker system or whatever, but uh, I'm having a good time with it. I'm, I'm learning a lot. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, that's what's most important. And I do feel like, I mean, Kempo in the broad sense, I feel like it's very complex. There's a lot of variety between styles of Kempo kind of thing. And, and I also feel like it sounds like our schools are similar in that it does often integrate into other arts pretty well. With the martial arts background that you had, how did you get drawn into the stunt world? And was martial arts always going to be a, a part of that, or did that spur you into stunts? It definitely spurred me into stunts, because I think the other thing is, you know, again, contextually being born in the mid-80s, you know, um, aside from wanting to do karate because my brother was doing it, you know, I did because I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle, because that was what was famous <laughs> at that time. Like, that movie yes. came out in whatever it was, 90, 91, and, you know, I'm like six, so it was prime. I want to be a Ninja Turtle, which then turned into, like, I want to be a Power Ranger, um, which then, I, you know, it was funny. I was thinking about this recently when I was having this conversation, and another big thing was um, that, that show WMAC Masters. Uh, yeah. And I was talking to someone about WMAC Masters recently and i realized in a way it was kind of like a reality tv show because you know it, it was a fantasy martial arts show where everyone was playing characters but they were also happened to be playing themselves so right. you, you would watch it and you'd be like oh well that's he and gwen and that's christine ben and rodriguez and they're martial arts tournament fighters oh but they're also power rangers and they're also these characters on this show <laughs> yeah. and in a way it was kind of felt like oh i could uh, not necessarily i could do that but i want to do that like yeah. th this is you know the path kind of thing and then when i was in fifth grade actually he and the gwen who played tsunami on wmac masters also uh, i'm pretty sure it was a kempo school it's definitely a karate school he trained and taught at a karate school in connecticut and he was holding a seminar while the show was on and I was like, oh, my God, I want to go to that. And me and some of my brothers went. Um, and it was great because he was teaching, you know, kids and adults how to, you know, fight for film and how to take reactions. And, you know, typical, a lot of the kids wanted to be, you know, the hero or the good guy and throw all the kicks and punches. Um, and I was there and I wanted to take all the kicks and punches. I was like, no, I want to be the person getting hit and I want to be the person, you know, falling over. <laughs> and, um, and I think I was relatively good at it because it was what I wanted to do you know, at least on whatever fifth grade level of that is. So I wanted to do that. And then while training martial arts as a kid in middle school, I had a friend named Matt, and we would do a lot of karate demos together. And 
in preparation for that, you know, it turned into we did we did a lot of karate demos together where we'd fight each other and we would we would like have sleepovers at each other's house where we literally just choreographed fights all night. And like, that's what we did. And then like, you know, we like made our family watch and like give us notes and we would like watch Jackie Chan videos and put them in slow-mo, you know, on VHS to try to figure out how it was done and, and things like that. And then in, um, in high school, I saw an ad in Black Belt Magazine for a place called the Action Film Academy, run by Michael DePasquale Jr. I don't know if it's still going or not, but it went for a long time in upstate New York. And it was like, you know, come here and learn how to do stunts. And, and I told my parents I wanted to do it. And they were like, it's kind of expensive, but you didn't go to camp a lot as a kid. So, you know, we'll, we'll make it work. And, um, and I did, and I went, and that's when I got even more of sort of the stunt training and how to do sort of more, you know, sort of in a way stunts via martial arts as that sort of being the gateway there, but how to do, you know, things that were maybe a little less martial artsy and a little more stunt focused and a little more camera focused. And then actually after my first year, Mike was also, you know, being a manager and he was sort of trying to put together a management team or something. And um, from that camp, he called me to go to an audition for a Nike commercial and I did. And then, um, I got my SAG card through that. The commercial never aired, but it still qualified me for my SAG card. So then that's how I got into, you know, the Screen Actors Guild, which wasn't even, this is like 1999, so it wasn't even SAG after yet. So it's, it seems like from a pretty early age, you kind of knew that this is what you were going to do. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely what I wanted to do. Absolutely. Like that was just, you know. That's that was where all my time and energy and mindset was at. And when you started talking about doing stunts, though, did anybody in your immediate circle of friends, family, or whatever, did anybody say, "Dude, that's dangerous. Let's not go there"? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I think probably to some degree. I mean, my parents definitely did, and I mean, they were <laughs> like they were very supportive, you know. Sure. But at the same time, you know, we're like, we'd really love it if you did something safer, and they're like, you know, <laughs> yeah, um. Like, you also enjoy, you know, editing movies. That's another thing you could do is you could sit there and edit, you know, instead. But, I mean, you know, they're very supportive, so it wasn't a lot of uh, a lot of pushback. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, bumps along the way, but, but no crazy um, opposition. So what was the very first reel that maybe that you consider uh, the real film stunt that you've done? Yeah, you know, I... Uh, I think about that and I get asked that and I, I find it honestly really hard to quantify just because mm. it's like, I feel like stunts are, you know, there's sort of a constant leveling up and, and changing of things. And I find the question really uh, contextual. And so it's hard to answer right. because, you know, it's like you might do some really cool rec, you know, just doing like a karate demo and then, you know, it's like, well, was it the first time I got paid or was it, you know, the first right. time I was on a big set and it's like, but then that first big set I was on, I didn't do anything. So does that really count? Like it, it, it's a hard question to answer. I do like, I do think a big change was one of my first SAG because that Nike commercial was technically a principal contract and wasn't a stunt contract. Um, and one of my first stunt contracts was working for Roy Farfall and Blue Bloods. I was stunt doubling a teenager who had to um, run through traffic and, um, 
and uh, I, I did jump on the back of a, a truck and run through, you know, some cars and stuff like that. And, you know, that was very exciting because it, it was really sort of on a new level from what I had been doing for a while. And then, you know, shortly thereafter, I was very fortunate. A uh, big coordinator, Pete Picosi, hired me for a number of different stunt projects and um, hired me to stunt double some people and some leads on some shows like Rami Malek on Mr. Robot and uh, oh, cool. Giovanni Rabisi on... Um, sneaky pete um and then those you know i mean those jobs and at the time i had i'm sorry i'm gonna give a couple shout outs and it's not exactly because like i'm trying to name drop it's just that i really think it's important to acknowledge the people that help you along the way because absolutely yeah i mean none of us accomplish anything by ourselves and so, you know, during this time, I had Roy hiring me and Pete hired me, and I had some recommendations from some really good people, um, Chaz Menendez, Manny Ayala, uh, the Harvey brothers, Greg and Bob Harvey. And those are always, like, really important to me because it's like those are the people that sort of really took a risk when you didn't really have much of a reputation to go on, and they sort of put a lot of trust and faith in you where – you know, it's like you don't necessarily have the real and as many years as, as, you know, some other people behind you, but they, you know, they take a risk in hiring you and, you know, it it works out thankfully, but um, yeah, I'm just very appreciative of them. No, that's great. So how long uh, officially have you been in the stunt game? Um, So I've been, uh, I mean, I've technically been on SAG stunt contracts um, since 2014. Um, okay. That Nike commercial was in the 90s, or in 1999, I think, something, somewhere around there. My parents at the time, because I was still in high school, my parents were like, we'd really like you to go to college. Um, so I, I did, and you know, I went yeah. to SUNY Purchase and had a great time, um, majored in cinema studies, and I did a lot of fun indie stuff during that time. Um, so I mean, you know, it kind of depends, because people earmark with different things, you know, so... I tend to tell people not since 2014, but I mean, prior to that, I was doing, um, you know, I did Dogs of Chinatown where I had a fight scene with Eric Jacobist. I worked on, you know, a number of different uh, indie projects, um, stuff with Mae Manzanares and John Trey and, you know, filmed some stuff on my own and, and all this other uh, stuff. So okay. Now, when uh, when I think of stuntmen, uh, and I grew up in the... 70s and 80s so like guys like dar robinson were the big stunt guy names for me but you know dar robinson was throwing himself off the tops of buildings so um are there stunts that you're hesitant to do or are you pretty much game for anything i mean there definitely are stunts that i'm um hesitant to do uh i'm not great with heights and i'm i'm okay with admitting that i max out my high falls around like 20 30 feet and you know okay um some people if they you know if they ask, you know, I'm just, oh, we need you to fall 40 feet off of here. You know, I say, I'm very sorry, but, you know, I can't do that. Because that's really the worst thing you can do is just promise something that you can't deliver on. Sure. And outside of that, it, I mean, I'm game for lots of stuff, assuming it's in my wheelhouse, you know. If, if someone needed me to, you know, ice skate tomorrow, might not be able to do that. But, um, <laughs> I mean, it, okay. it could totally come up. But uh, I'm always up for, you know, for trying different stuff for sure. You know, happy to fight fall drive get lit on fire etc that's all good <laughs> so is that the stuff that's in your wheelhouse the fighting and the falling and the yeah i mean the the wrecks and the fighting is definitely you know my go-to stuff and you know where i feel most comfortable because the martial arts background i mean you know yep. I, I have skill sets beyond that but that's all always where i'll feel most comfortable all right 
Now, a lot of the guys that I've had on the show, uh, particularly in the the stunt uh, community, are West Coasters. Uh, but you operate from the East Coast. Yes, yes. Right, you're in Connecticut. So, are there advantages or disadvantages to working on the East Coast, especially you know, especially when Hollywood is way out there? Yeah. Well, so that's an interesting thing, and um, I mean Hollywood is way out there but one thing that's kind of changed over the years is that um and i don't know when exactly this happened but hollywood really got into the film tax credits and tax incentives so a lot of the time you know a state uh for example like boston will have a tax credit that they'll offer if hollywood brings a production over there and so that's a really big thing and that determines actually a lot of where places shoot I want to say maybe like 10 years ago, one of the big places was New Orleans. They had a great tax credit. So just all these movies started filming in New Orleans. Um, Obviously now uh, Atlanta is huge. Um, I don't know if it's still number one, but it's been number one for many, many years uh, because they have the tax credits and the infrastructure. And there were some years in which, I mean, I don't remember the exact numbers, but like, I feel like there were years in which, you know, like Atlanta was number one and New York was maybe like number three in the country. And like, LA maybe wasn't even in the top five. There were some years in which California was really struggling. And I think if you were a big name stunt performer who would get on a big show or something, you know, you were fine because you would live in Hollywood and you would get hired and they would fly you to said location. But if you were someone like me who day plays and just gets stunt jobs, you know, sort of as they come here and there on different shows, Uh, New York was in some ways like a better place to be because of that because so the other thing is then a lot of the time you know if they're flying to say Boston you know they might bring an LA crew of stunt performers but then they'll also want to hire locals production won't want to fly everybody from LA they'll say you have to find stunt performers in Boston Um, so same thing you know they'll say oh you just have to hire locals nearby so you know, if you're in LA and you're new in your career and you're day playing, I think for a lot of those people, it's very, very difficult as productions were leaving Los Angeles. I think, if I'm not mistaken, California has reinstated their tax credit and their productions have gone back up again, which is great uh, for those folks over there. Um, but definitely, like, New York is, is pretty happening. There's a lot of TV. There has been a lot of TV for a while that's been happening. We had all those Marvel Netflix shows for a while that were often oh, filming... Yeah. They were often filming two at the same time, which just made New York super busy. And I mean, there was a, a time where people were flying themselves into New York, you know, to work on, say, those Netflix shows from wherever that might be. And I mean, you had, I think, for a short period of time, people moving from Los Angeles to New York because for whatever reason, you know, that year, New York just had way more work than oh, wow. uh, California did. Oh, so you'd totally exploited that (laughs) i mean yeah well more really i was just lucky because you know living in connecticut and being close to new york you know it was just there it was in you know my local region you know i didn't have to go anywhere the work was here so that was nice that's great and one of those shows is daredevil and uh, you've had some play there uh which uh is one of those shows that has some really outstanding stunt and fight choreo so uh what did you get involved in 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 that really awesome superhero universe because as a kid and i'm a marvel fan 
one of our dreams was always to play in those superhero universes. You actually got to do it. So what was that like? Yeah, um, it was a lot of fun. Um, they got, <laughs> uh, like the, the days on Daredevil were honestly still some of my favorite days. So I did one day in season three, you know, and that was actually kind of in some ways probably the most fun on that kid level because it was a fight scene with Daredevil or Matt Murdock. Cool. So, so that was just, you know cool to sort of be in that environment but what was probably more fun was my one of my biggest sort of things at least with daredevil was i was in uh, episode one of season two when the mob is sort of having a meeting and mm. the punisher kind of does a sting operation and just mows everybody down <laughs> yeah um so i was in that and i was it, it was fun because i got to play this um I want to say that Marvel Wiki has the character name. I don't remember what it is. But, you know, at the time when I got the call sheet, it was just like young gangster son or something. But, you know, I got to play the son who kind of, in a way, sets the whole Irish mob thing in motion. And it was it was just a really fun day. It was like three days of filming. And, like, to start off, you know, we had a safety meeting right at the beginning. And they're like, okay, so we're going to have a safety meeting. And we just want to let you know... Um, you know, uh, a lot of the glasses here are wired to explode, so please don't touch any of the props. Uh, you know, three of the walls also have uh, explosives in them, so please be careful there. Uh, don't touch anything on the bar, because that's also going to explode. The, t the table itself is going to explode. Like, there's wow. charges within it. And they're like, you know, so pretty much don't touch anything, because uh, we're going to blow it all up. And then, like, even we had, um, for those that don't know, um, we had squibs. Squibs are the little explosives when you get shot, um, when it's not VFX or CGI. And when I work on a show, say like Gotham or Blacklist, I was used to getting like one or two squibs. And when I showed up on Daredevil, they were like, here's your jacket with nine squibs. Like, Don't hug anybody. Uh, um, and it was just, it, it was so cool and it was so much fun. And then, and then, so there's a part where obviously punisher is and i've never fully understand how this works but punisher is somehow like shooting everybody and he throws a guy through the wall that was a stunt performer um tim lechick who is by the way he's like he's huge but he's like the nicest softest like gentlest giant he's just like the coolest guy but tim who's you know just enormous just, you know, obviously the Punisher's not actually doing anything. Tim just threw himself full force through a wall at, like, full speed. And when I s watched the clip, at first I was pretty disappointed, and then I realized that there's no way that you could film and edit that that would keep the same amount of energy as having been there live and as having <laughs> seen Tim just hurl himself through a wall like six to ten feet away from you and just like the sound that it made and the impact and the energy there was just so much excitement when we filmed that i i had so much fun that's cool now you said that you were in a fight scene uh in, with uh matt murdoch in that one episode so do you kind of fall back to that martial arts training to to showcase that when you in that fight or is that all really tightly choreographed so you don't really have a chance to kind of ad-lib those kind of things um i mean generally speaking it kind of depends on you know whatever the production is for 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 my fight in daredevil is a real quick one and done uh i think karen elbowed me in the face and then matt you know or daredevil kicked me in the stomach and that and that was it i was i was stunt doubling a, a little kid um gotcha. in 
it's like a drug den or something. So it, it was a, you know, on my part, anyway, it was a very small portion of the fight. There have been times where, you know, I might work on a fight scene and they might kind of say, oh, you know, what feels comfortable to you or what feels good to you? But, you know, um, a lot of the time, you know, they have it choreographed ahead of time and, and me, particularly as a day player, will just kind of come in and, you know, do whatever they need me to do. Cool. The Marvel Netflix shows, they were especially, you know, it was interesting. It was kind of good and bad now that they're all gone. It was interesting, those specific shows, because they were a lot of fun to work on, and they brought a lot of positives to New York. Like, they they kept people in New York busy. They were all stunt-heavy shows. They would often film at least two at a time. And when, you know, the area gets busy, then a lot of people work. And I think that that's a very good thing. Uh, on top of that, there was also, I definitely know a number of stunt performers local to the area that for whatever reason, maybe haven't caught the eyes of some of the New York stunt coordinators. And some of the Netflix shows, they would bring in LA coordinators or Atlanta coordinators, but then they'd say, but you have to hire New York performers. And so for whatever reason, I do know some, you know, super talented stunt performers that were sort of just having a hard time getting jobs that would get good breaks and opportunities on, you know, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, all that stuff. And so, you know, I, I miss those shows for that reason. And then on the flip side of things, and this is very inside baseball, the contracts were actually kind of terrible. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think it's it's hard to think about now, but when Daredevil season one came out, it was it wasn't Netflix's first show, but it was kind of their first big show. And yeah. I, I forget who exactly they negotiated it with and who exactly was responsible for it. But they made a negotiation, you know, that SAG after agreed to. Where they're like, oh, well, it's internet, and internet is new. No one's really watching these things. So, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily that people got paid less, but they're like, but we're not going to pay for a lot of these things we normally do. So things that are contract violations, things about overtime, meal penalties, turnaround, residuals, they were like, you know, we're not going to pay that. We're essentially going to pay pennies on the dollar for that. Reuse payments, things like that. But then, you know, so they made that deal back when the internet shows weren't really a thing and streaming shows weren't really a thing, but then they got grandfathered in for several years. So then, oh. so now they're really popular, but they still get to pay these really old rates and, you know, again, sort of this pennies on the dollar kind of stuff. And then, you know, if you were a New York performer, sometimes, and it's funny because we talked about, you know, it's so much fun to be fighting Daredevil, but sometimes if you got, like, a call for two different jobs, and one was for, Dare, you know, a day on Daredevil, and one was for a show that you could care less about on, like, CBS or Fox, you'd be like, yeah, I'm probably going to make a lot more money on that CBS <laughs> or Fox show. And, like, Fair you enough. know, I might, as fun as it would be to fight Daredevil, I might be, you know, when, yeah. like, I got to eat and I got to pay rent, and when the bills sure. are due, I might shoot myself in the foot because I chose the Netflix job. <laughs> Thankfully, again, uh, like, and that's the thing that makes me happy that these shows are gone because now those contracts are dead for the most part. Yeah. Um, and then they, you know, sort of set this bad precedence that we don't have to really argue with in contract negotiations anymore so they, they, there's some real unexciting inside baseball on that no that's cool that no that's all important stuff because uh i mean you guys are especially stunt performers you guys are literally putting your bodies on the line for pennies on the dollar now so. yeah yeah i mean i'm exaggerating a little but also sure. not entirely 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, the uh, your listing on IMDb lists more stunt credits than acting credits. Is that uh, a conscious decision on your part to stay more on the stunt side of things? Yeah, absolutely. I um, I mean, I enjoy acting. Uh, I know it's not my strongest skill. It's fun whenever I get there on a stunt job and they want to give me a line or have me do a little acting. I have a great time with it. It's just not as much where my focus is. If I have, you know, extra time and extra money and I'm like, oh, do I want to, you know, do I want to take an acting class or do I want to, you know, slide some cars or do some training? And it, it, it will always be stunt stuff. It's just always what I gravitate towards. I mean, I've, I've taken some acting classes and stuff, but I just know that, that that's always, stunts is always where my focus is. Okay. Now, your your parents weren't supportive uh, at first, but I've, I'm sure they've come around. What about your wife, knowing that you're going to go out and go do stunts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, you know, she she's very supportive and, and cool. puts up, you know, with, with a lot in that Again, as like a day player, it's a lot of last-minute stuff, and it's a lot of oh, sorry, I can't come to that thing anymore. I have to work, um, and you know, long hours and other stuff. But no, she's been she's been really great. Okay, and you're also a filmmaker too, right? You make your own short films. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Okay, well, what's more stressful to you then, overseeing a production or or falling from thirty feet? <laughs> well, I mean, we talked about heights, so we know how I feel about heights. But um, in, <laughs> right. in general, I mean, so they, I mean, that's easy that the heights would stress me out more, but um. You know, I will say that I don't always find stunts to be stressful necessarily. It it just, you know, feels different. There's you might be nervous about how something's going to go, uh, but I don't necessarily equate that with stress because I think a lot of the time from a stunt perspective, you know, we're trying to, you know, number one keep things safe and number two, you know, we're prioritizing how we want it to look and things like that. When you're doing a production, that's more of sort of like the AD who's worried about how much time it's going to take and making their day. And, and, you know, stunts will always try to be sensitive to that, but that's that's never our focus. I find whenever I make a short film or something though, it is very stressful, but it's also very rewarding stress. It like a lot of the time when, you know, we're done with a day or done with a project, I'm like, you know, man, that was long or, you know, it was very stressful, but, you know, look at all that we accomplished at the end of it. And I usually, you know, it feels very good afterwards and absolutely feels worth it. (laughs) Uh, Now, when I was younger and uh, watching movies and stuff, I would stay for the credits and kind of look for, you know, the the names to pop up, who starred as what. And do you still kind of get that? Hey, that's cool when your name pops up on the on the screen in the credits. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I mean, you know, it was like the um, again when I was on Daredevil it was great because of the kind of thing like I could send to my parents and I'm like, you don't have to pause it this time. You'll just see my face. I'll just be there. You can you can tell. Um, and you know, it, it's fun. I always get I always get very excited on set, and it doesn't even really matter, you know, the budget or anything. I'm always just excited to be there. I don't always emote it because I'm trying to focus on work but inside I'm always like oh this is so cool like look at the wardrobe look at the camera look at the lights this is so exciting yeah I, I, I nerd out quite often yeah now as we're recording this the Emmys just released their nominees for outstanding stunt coordination uh, and uh, the blacklist which you worked on uh, is one of the projects there so uh, I guess congrats on that though oh, um, thanks. I, I, <laughs> um, but uh, wh- what do you think of uh, of how the uh, stunt coordination was represented in in the list are you familiar with who was nominated yeah absolutely 
I guess actually, first I shouldn't say thanks at all because I didn't work on the last season and I don't coordinate it. Uh, that, you know, right, so right. that's all Court Hessler and the people he hired that season. But I, I have worked on it before. It's fun to work on. It's fun to work for Court. Yeah, no, I am familiar with the list. You know, I actually I watch. I, I'm a member of the Television Academy uh, and have been for several years. So I watch the videos. I actually, you know, I kind of take it pretty seriously and I watch all of them and I kind of break it down and like I, I sort of really try to you know, evaluate them on purely on a quality and artistic level. And, you know, I, I did see the nominees and a lot of them did match up with, um, you know, the ones that I had, you know, maybe nominated or, or thought belonged in the top five or, or what okay. have you. And what about for your work specifically, who would you cite as influences for you? Jackie Chan, obviously, which I, I know kind of sounds like a generic answer, but you know he changed the game for a lot of people uh, right? he really did and i mean like as soon as uh, particularly when rumble in the bronx came out and then you know like blockbuster just started like throwing every jackie chan movie on the shelf i just started like eating it all up like i'm actually you know i have like over 100 jackie chan movies <laughs> you know i just yeah i mean i have all of them some in several copies you know different prints and stuff so i mean jackie chan absolutely i would say also like sammo hung's a big influence i feel like sammo doesn't always get enough credit like he's often you know like fifth down on a lot of people's lists they're like you know jackie Jet Li, donnie and who are all you know great and they're like oh and then sammo i guess but you know i think Samo's still <laughs> terrific and I feel like even recently when Samo did Paradox, it's like you watch that and some, I mean, Tony Jaa is obviously incredible and some of the other fighters are great too, but not everyone's a great fighter, but the way he cuts it is so good and the way he films it is yeah, still yeah. really strong. Um, you know, and gosh, I don't even know how long he's been making movies, but it's, you know, he's another one where I have like a hundred of his films and, you know, I'm just a big admirer of his work as well. Yeah, I think Samo definitely comes into play for for the guys who have a little bit more of an eye towards filmmaking. Mm, mm -hmm. Right. So uh, I I would hazard a guess then that you would uh, like to work with Jackie Chan one day. Oh, of course. I mean, if <laughs> honestly though, like you know, in terms of people I want to work with, like we don't have to, we don't have enough time. That would be a whole <laughs> another hour long interview of me naming everybody that I would love to work with. Like I'm just you know, I mean, I love. For one, before I nerd out, like, you know, I love collaborating with new people all the time. And just, you know, even someone who's never done anything sometimes, you know, has a really creative eye or um, interesting perspective. And so, you know, collaboration is great and strongly recommended. But yeah, I mean, I, I think even, you know, it's funny, even Hong Kong cinema is not what it used to be at all. But I would still love to work in Hong Kong just because of all the Hong Kong movies I watched growing up. Even though that's, you know, even though it's not the same anymore, I think I would get a lot out of that. You know, and even if it weren't Jackie or Sam or you know another fifty people I could name, I think it would just be fun to do. Um, I spent a long time watching the Thai films and the uh, Panorita Cray stuff. I I don't know how to pronounce the name. I'm sure that was wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I was. So sad when he passed away. But, you know, yeah. I spent a long time, you know, like a decade trying to get all his stuff, watch all his stuff, figure out who was on his stunt team and how they did things. I think that would be, a, you know, the folks in Thailand are another one, you know, that I would just, I would love to work on, like a full-on Thai production. And I mean, I, I could just go on and on. Um, <laughs> I love Isaac Florentine movies. I know he's not really shooting as much as he used to anymore, but right. that, that would be a thrill. And then, you Classics, know. Classics, right? 
I mean, just tons of people down the line. Bradley Allen, Andy Chang, J.J. Perry, Sam Hargrave, you know, all great people. I was thinking about this earlier, too. I mean, I would love, I would just love to see, like, one more Jeff Speakman movie. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and, like, I would love to get in on that somehow. Every now and then, the internet puts up some rumor that he's still, like, thinking about doing Perfect Weapon 2 or something like that. And, I mean, that would... <laughs> Kind of to some of what we've been talking about already, but I mean that would just like go back to my Kenpo roots and everything. Sure. And, uh, that would be so much fun to be involved in that in whatever yeah. way possible. And he's got the whole Kenpo 5.0, I think it is now. Yeah, last time I checked, that's what he was doing. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so when you talk about your stunt, and I'm not even sure how you classify it, but your I guess your stunt hierarchy, you you call yourself a day player. Is that the standard term for for what you do? Yeah, I mean, for me specifically, so sometimes, you know, if you're, let's say you're a member of 8711 or a big stunt team, you know, or Stunts Unlimited or many of the stunt teams out there, you might get hired on uh, the run of a show, which essentially means that, you know, you're hired there to work on the whole thing. And I mean, obviously, 8711, they do a lot of pre-production and, you know, they do something like Don Wick and they're on it for months. But if you're a day player, it essentially just means, you know, you get called for a couple days here and there. Gotcha. So, you know, you sort of just pick up work as it comes. You know, Monday you're on this show, Tuesday you're on a different Mm -hmm. show, so on and so forth. And, you know, the work's sort of infrequent in that way. Maybe you get a week on something. Maybe you get a few days here and there that are tied together. But, yeah, that's how that works. All right, so how do you keep up your hustle then? What's that routine for you? Oh, good question. I mean, it's a lot of training, you know, which can be difficult at times because it doesn't always, when you're not working, it doesn't have that instant gratification where you're like, oh, I just trained a whole bunch and now I get to work. You know, it, it, it's tough when the phone doesn't ring. Thankfully, I have a really great support system, you know, besides my family and wife. I have some friends locally, David LaValle Jr., Anthony Hong, Matt Healy. They're all just, you know, wonderful. Matt Healy is actually the same person that I mentioned earlier where we went to the same karate school and would sleep over each other's houses and do oh, fight nice. choreo. Um, we st- yeah, we still do that now, 20 years later. <laughs> sleep um, over each other's houses? <laughs> yeah, not as ma- yeah, I was going to say, not as- we-, we haven't slept over each other's house in a while. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. But, um, but anyways... Uh, yeah, I mean, Matt is great about, like, you know, who wants to train? And it's like, oh, I'm not really feeling it. Well, you should come anyway, kind of thing. And then, you know, David LaValle always has projects of his own going. You know, and Anthony's the same way, always really encouraging about, you know, training or any projects that um, he might have heard about or things like that. So, um, it, you know, and I think that's sometimes what you need, you know, again, it, it's hard to do things completely on your own. And I think having a good support system yeah, definitely nice. helps. Yeah, I just had Anthony on, actually. So uh, he'll be showing up on the uh, feed very soon. Oh, that's terrible. Don't hear that. I'm sure it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking about that, then, what advice would you give to guys who are just coming into the game themselves? Yeah. Um, I mean, that one's a little tough because it's obviously contextual based on, you know, where someone is in their career, where they're in, they are in their training. I mean, honestly, the first thing I would say is I'm very happy to give people my time and give people my advice. And people can always just shoot me an email at uh, paul-movies.com. I would say anytime that you, you know, whether you're talking to me or somebody else, it's best to ask specific questions because you can get better answers. You know, when someone just sort of says, how do I get into stunts? It's kind of a complicated answer. So, you know, the more specific you can be, the better answer you get. 
and and I will say again that like I am always happy to give people my time. There, I have noticed a weird thing happens sometimes where I will. You know, someone will ask for advice, and I will be happy to give them advice. And then, within talking a little bit, all of a sudden, this dynamic will change where they will act like they're doing me a favor somehow. <laughs> um, and you know, uh, it, uh, I'm expected to send them emails and casting calls, and you know, they will. I will write long, thorough emails of advice and not get you know a thank you reply kind of thing. I mean, I remember one time being on set, and there was an extra who I think, you know, genuinely wanted to get into stunts, but, you know, they came up to stunt people and they were like, oh, you know, could you give me some advice about stunts? Come find me later. And it was kind of like, no, if you need help from me, you need to come <laughs> right, find me right. later. Like, you know, it, like that's how this should work. I mean, the the first advice I would give is just to be honest about your skills. You know, the worst thing that you can do is lie about yeah. it. And I think sometimes... In a lot of, you know, acting classes and in acting environment, I think people ought to embellish. And, you know, to the point of like, oh, just say, you know, life. They say you can speak Japanese, you know, just say Japanese even if you can't. Um, and obviously from a stunt perspective, that's incredibly dangerous. Sure. So, and I mean, I think stunt coordinators do appreciate it if you approach them and you say something like, hey, you know, uh, I'm very new but I'm hoping to get into stunts and, you know, I understand that I don't have a lot of experience, but uh, if you could ever use an extra hand on set, you know, I'd be happy to help, things like that. Or, you know, and then whatever you bring to the table as well of, oh, I have, I have a, I don't have any stunt experience, but I do have a background in martial arts or parkour or gymnastics or whatever it might be, you know, and, and you sell that and you don't sell yourself as an experienced stunt performer if that's not who you are. Beyond that, I think particularly, you know, if you're a martial artist, First thing, you know, again, we kind of talked about this before is, you know, learn how to take hits. I think some people get into it of the mindset, you know, that they're going to get into stunts and that they want to be the right, hero. Right. And they want to be Daredevil or Scott Adkins or something. <laughs> and, you know, that's fine. And, I mean, Scott Adkins is amazing. He's not a stunt performer exactly, though. You know, the people he beats up right. are the stunt performers. And if, if stunts is what you want to do, then, you know, those are the skills that you need to learn. You need – there's always – you know, a ton more jobs for bad guys getting hit, and there's only one or right. two heroes mm. in the scene. So you need to, you know, learn how to take the hits, how to fall down. You know, if you are a martial artist who wants to be, you know, a full-fledged stunt performer, then you need other skills outside of martial arts, besides even, you know, the screen fighting, you know, driving, sliding cars, motorcycle, wire work, fire, you know. I mean, I would say first gravitate towards whatever is appealing to you and then you know just continue to increase your skill set from there the other piece of advice that i would give you know if you're already sort of trying to get into stunts and you already have some knowledge of uh, some stunt skills is to practice things like say your falls and other stuff in non-ideal conditions because mm. those are a great place to learn you know it's great to learn how to do a backflip on a gymnastics floor in a gym that's very safe um, but you're never going to get asked on set to do it, you know, in comfortable clothes <laughs> on a gymnastics floor kind of thing. You know, it's always often, you know, and it's other stuff that you don't think about, too. I mean, some of it is the wardrobe where it's like, oh, it's going to be in an uncomfortable suit and like skinny jeans and boots <laughs> or something. And, you know, this is not what you're used to doing. And I mean, more often than not, too, it's like. And it's going to be after 18 hours of sitting around and no one fed you. And now you have to do the backflip and you only get one take. 
actually, funny story, my friend Scott one time was working on this, like, low-budget comedy, and they wanted someone dressed as Santa Claus to do flips. And Scott could do backflips all day. That was not a problem. But then they, like, put him in a fat Santa suit, and he went to throw the first backflip, and immediately the beard just went right over his eyes. So he, like, jumped in the air fine, but then he couldn't spot the ground, and he just had to guess where it was. And then, so he did a few of those, and then at one point they wanted him to do a round-off backflip, and when he did the round-off, that's when the beard flew over his eyes. So then he had to do the whole backflip, like, from the jump of just sort of no concept of where he was, you know, in space. And, I mean, every stunt performer has tons of stories like that where, you know, you do something... All day long, you've done it a million times, and then you get on set, and they sort of ask you to do it the one way you never (laughs) thought you'd have to. And it's just all this stuff where, you know, well, they want to put the camera where you would normally do your fall, so you have to adjust it a bit. And then, you know, the second best place that you might turn to is where they've put the actor. So you can't fall on them either kind of thing. And, you know, stuff like that. So if you're early learning skills, I would recommend, you know, you got to learn everything both sides, you know, you got to do all your kicks and your falls and your flips, both sides, and then you might as well start practicing, you know, in very non-ideal conditions, pretty much whatever you can think of. So just be prepared for anything, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And be prepared for anything, and then when you finally get on set to do that thing, they will still ask you for one way you didn't think of. Very cool. All right, I've kept you a while. So uh, you ready to do a lightning round? Oh, I'm so nervous about this <laughs> lightning round. I mean, yes, just just know that whatever I say, I'm going to spend the next month <laughs> thinking of something I should have said better. That's what makes it fun. All right, here we go. Ready? Okay, yeah, let's do it. All right, beer, wine, whiskey, or a little umbrella in your drink? <laughs> uh, beer, probably particularly coffee stouts. Nice, nice. I like it. All right, uh, what's your favorite board game? Oh, oh, um, Splendor. What is that game? I've never heard of that. If I'm thinking of it, it's a it's a jewel game. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. It's Very cool. All right. Uh, Twister or Battleship? Oh, good question. Uh, Battleship. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, you get to live in a childhood cartoon universe. Which is it? Oh, good one. Um, I'm going to say the 90s X-Men. Oh, great one. Nice choice. <laughs> all right. Uh, you versus Anthony Hong in a yodeling contest. Oh, Anthony, all the way. <laughs> Okay. He's right. is a, is a much better voice than I do just all around. Oh, nice. All right. Uh, you versus Anthony Hong in a yodel's eating contest. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I feel bad saying Anthony. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll make sure he knows. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. He won't hear this. <laughs> all right. And uh, uh, last lightning round question, and I hope you get it right. But what's your favorite podcast? about Kung Fu movies and martial arts TV and entertainment. Serial. I mean, Kung Fu Dragon <laughs> podcast. Sorry, sorry. That's what I meant. Nicely done. All but right. On a serious note, uh, Jeff, your podcast really has like filled a void for me. Um, you know, it's a, there, there are podcasts about martial arts and there are podcasts about stunts, you know, and I enjoy them. You've got a particularly sort of niche thing that I really, really like, you know, where I want to hear from people like Vlad Rimberg and Eric Jacobus and, Richard Norton, and it's great that there's finally a place to listen to things like that. Uh, thank you so much. I, I love doing the show, and I love talking to guys uh, from all over the spectrum. You know, from stunt guys, from from day players like yourselves, to guys who are who are, who have been in the industry for a long time, and uh, kung fu film icons like you know Richard Norton and Cynthia Rothrock. It, it um, 
I grew up in that that whole era of kung fu film from the 70s. So uh, it's nice to see the evolution. And, and it's nice to, to meet people like you that are part of that, that evolution. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So I thought of something real fun that if you don't like it, you can just cut it out of the episode. I wrote a small handful of quick cards for you to answer. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so what is your favorite late night snack food? Uh, I, I like hunks of mozzarella cheese. It sounds strange, but I will rip a piece off a, a big hunk of cheese and just have that as a snack. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool, cool. What's your favorite martial arts movie? Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> My, all right, if, if I had to choose... It, one and one A would be Five Deadly Venoms and then Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. What's your favorite comic book character? Oh, Wolverine. And then very closely behind him is Batman. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, which of your daughters is your favorite? No, oh, that's not no, right at all. My God. <laughs> <laughs> that's wrong. Then, yeah, yeah. No, it, it totally is. I was like, if I fire him fast enough, maybe he'll fall for it. Um, so I've heard you ask this one before. What classic kung fu movie would you most like to see remade in a modern oh definitely five deadly venoms but i'm not so sure that i actually want anybody to touch that it's got to be done right i i understand that do you have somebody you think who would do it right i don't know i really don't know i know there are people that that have uh, approached it um and uh I, i'm sure they would do a good job but i i don't know if anybody will will Treat it with the the love that I hope it gets treated with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, absolutely, I, I feel you there for sure. So, as a martial artist, what is your best kick? Oh God! So I I struggle with this only because I I don't know that I feel like I'm a martial artist yet because I'm still so new to it. Um, but of the kicks that I think that I do well, the spinning back kick, I think I'm able to at least put the bag on the floor. So I'm happy with that one. <laughs> okay. That, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shaw brothers or golden harvest. Nah, that's not, yo, you can't do these anymore. <laughs> they only get worse. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, I'll say Shaw harvest. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I honestly, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm surprised that one was so hard for you. I, I figured it'd be it, based on, you know, like what you just said in the past couple minutes, I just thought it would be Shaw Brothers all the way. Yeah, well, it's just that because the Shaw Brothers does have all that formative stuff for me, but then Golden Harvest, you know, has all the Bruce Lee stuff. So. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I know. That, that's that's why it's hard yeah. for sure. What about uh, karate or kung fu? Hmm, I, I'm only studying karate, so that's where it is for me as a, as a uh, student of martial arts. Um but I've watched Kung Fu. So, I mean, some somehow one day I'll be able to marry the two. How about that? <laughs> there you go. That's right. Now, I, I honestly think this is one of the hardest ones. Cinemax is the warrior or into the Badlands? Ooh, different, completely different things. Because, And I'll say because uh, Into the Badlands um, was completely unique for what it did. It's martial arts-centric, um, uh, a whole different world uh for martial arts to be showcased and warrior was uh i thought gonna be uh what kung fu was uh way back when it came out so and i thought so i thought there was gonna be a little bit more martial arts focus on that but it's not martial arts is definitely a part of it but that's not the focus that the focus on that is that world that they're in now with the tong wars and the characters are just so cool so um i like I love Into the Badlands because uh, that's that was just uh, more, I guess, in my wheelhouse. But Warrior is just so great as a dramatic 
set piece. So it's apples and oranges for me, honestly. Sure, that, that makes sense. All right, uh, fill in this phrase: blank rocks the world. Poison clan rocks the world, Paul. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Very cool. That was awesome. Uh, Oh, cool. cool. I'm glad you had fun. <laughs> cool. So, um, so for everybody that uh, that was that's listening, I just got the uh, the lightning round turned on me, and that's the first. So, congratulations, Paul. Oh, thanks, thanks. <laughs> Tell me about your upcoming projects. What do you have going on? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, right this minute, uh, every year I do. This is a small thing, but um, there's a stunt performer, Larry Rosenthal, puts together this um, Emmy Memorial video honoring all the stunt performers that passed away in the last year. Um, that we do, it's for the uh, Television Academy. I think it's a private thing, it's not televised. But then afterwards, we throw it up on the internet. So I do the edit for that. So I'm literally in the middle of doing that right now. And, and I get a lot of pleasure out of doing that. I've also started a short film. Uh, we had day one like a week ago, which went great. So that'll be fun. You know, no timeline on that yet. So I, I don't have much for you there. But um, I do also, I, I worked on a project called Burn, where I got to uh, stunt double Josh Hutcherson. Uh, and that comes out in August. Uh, I think it's doing limited theatrical and will be available online August 23rd. I'm really excited to see that one because I, I have some fun stories from that one, but I don't want to share them because it'd be very spoilery. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So where can people follow you when you can share that information? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Paul Drexler Martel. You could also like the hyphen movies page. You know, that's where I post about my own films and things like that. I'm on Instagram as uh, hyphen stunts. That's the word hyphen, H-Y-P-H-E-N, stunts. Uh, I, I don't really use Twitter a whole bunch, but I'm on there as hyphen stunts too. Uh, YouTube hyphen movies. You can also subscribe to David LaValle Jr. on uh, YouTube as well uh, because I'll pop up in his videos all the time. I would also recommend people check out, uh, I train at, like I said before, Master Cho's Martial Arts, which is at masterchomartialarts.com in uh that's where I do Hapkido and Will Mantic. I think he also offers Taekwondo. I also go to the open gyms at Adaptive Movement Parkour, which is at amparkour.com, which is in, I think, New Britain, Connecticut. Uh, and it's just the nicest, you know, biggest parkour facility. Uh, I mean, I would say in Connecticut, if not even larger. It's just, it's an amazing facility. It's wonderful. Very cool. Paul Drexler Martel, awesome talking with you. Great information, uh, and uh, because you're on the East Coast, I hope we can uh, we can hook up with uh, you and maybe Anthony Hong and just kind of hang out, and maybe you can uh, teach me a thing or two about stunts. Oh, that would be fun. I would like that very much, Jeff. Very cool. Thanks again, Paul. Uh, best of luck with everything, and I uh, uh, hope to have you back soon. Oh, thanks, Jeff. This is great. So that was a super fun chat with Paul Drexler Martel. Big heaps of thanks to him for taking some time out to talk. And I wish him the best of luck in his future, and I look forward to seeing more and more of his work as he continues to make his way in the stunt world. I will place all the links for how to keep up with Paul and his current projects in the show notes, so pay him a visit and let him know that you heard him here on the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. And when I get to hang out with him and learn a thing or two about stunts, if anything happens to me, I want it on record that he was involved somehow. <laughs> in the meantime, follow me on all my socials. Those links will be in the show notes too. And if you're on Twitter, go check out my Castaways pals at the hashtag Castaways for other great podcasts from some really cool indie podcasters. Now, I didn't realize how stressful the lightning round questions really were, so I'm kind of wiped. But until next time, Poison Clan, peace. Poison Clan rocks the world.
Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm, we smash the place up with a dragon claw. I see the iron fisted monk upon the daily prayers. Shouting monks on the hands, running down the thousand stairs. The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands. With the fearless idea roaming over the land. Yeah, the little big soldier is old and wiser. He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight. Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law. Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to raise jars. Fight for the cars, then pass here the blast. On the end, back kicks will defeat the outlaws. Very good, but more. Don't hit back Yeah, the death jewels here David D is coming back The Tai Chi master Jet Li's even faster The child a little drink Because he is the drunken master Once upon a time a shiner Rosamund Kwan is real fine But see Maggie Chung is finer Golden Swallow has arrived Chang Chi movies Will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer Make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight May as well pick the spot Yeah, the sky goes black Cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching Ying To kill them all So stand back He plays the black magic On the soul of the sword and our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah, Wing Chun Shaol in a mountain style Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claw. See, it's a game of death, yo, you're facing the big boss. It's once upon a time in China, counting the TikTok. The shogun assassin slashing blood of just drip drop. The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop. Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins. He's got Irma just in yellow, but she is in the dragon, but in the tea rooms. That's where it'll happen. She got the bodies on the floor, when the blood it'll splatter against the wall. No fear at all, to kill them all. There's always blood spilled when you head into a war. Fearless. Unleashed The fist of legend that the car jelly I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these There's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk